Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators for a successful freelance career and lifestyle with your host, Tess Witte. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Translators where you get tips on marketing your freelance translation business and how to achieve a more productive and successful business. I also want to take this opportunity to thank you for all the reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, for all the comments and the donations. Thank you. You guys rock and I really appreciate it. Today we're going to talk about what influences the translation industry and what freelance translators can do to adapt. I am pleased to welcome a marketing specialist and vice president for a leading translation productivity software company, SDL Language Technologies. We, I just discovered that we share a great interest together. He is a big yoga fan, power yoga fan, just like me, and can frequently be spotted in his yoga clothes at localization conferences. Welcome to the podcast, Massimo Gislandi. Oh, thank you, Tess. Um, did I did I but- butcher your last name? No, no, it was pretty good, actually. Um, okay. And most of the time is the first name that also gets um, butchered as Massimo, but you did it right. Okay, okay. So it's Massimo. It's Massimo, Massimo. yeah, it's Massimo. Yes, yes. So you're from it- Italy. Yes, I'm from Milan. And okay. I've been in UK for 18 years um, okay. after university, which sort of gives away my age. But um, <laughs> okay, I'm right there with you, so that's okay. I I know a little bit of Italian. That's my sixth language. Actually, yeah, we'll have to do a podcast in Italian. Oh wow, not that much. No. I don't know that much. <laughs> so, but I, it's a beautiful language. Oh, thank you. So I'm um, glad to have you here. I have attended some of your trainings. And today we're going to talk about what influences the translation industry. Uh, so what do you think influences the translation industry most today? And how can we translators best adapt to these influences? Um, so I, I think there's a couple of factors. Um, mm-hmm. One is... a macro factor let's say and then there's uh, more tactical and recent factors i think this is just a view and if if you see some of our roadshows we talk about this and it's sort mm-hmm. of my belief that the translation industry has really started to grow through globalization um, mm-hmm. economic globalization if you like and when mm-hmm. you look at some of the statistics, it's something that has really taken off since the 1950s, post war. Mm. The amount of global trades and interactions are skyrocketed. And mm-hmm. I know translation is, a, is an old art. People have been translating probably forever. Um, mm. But I think um, the, as, as an industry, it's really probably taken off since global trade has started to skyrocket. So that is one of the big factors. And I think often a lot of the localization that takes place in the world is driven by some sort of commercial need. Um, Mm. Maybe a government 
Um, but I think without all these corporations driving translation to have a global presence, translation wouldn't have grown as much. So that's, I think, one point to, mm-hmm. to, to note, um, because ultimately influence is the way the industry works. The second mm-hmm. is the global, um, the digital content. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen a huge growth in digital um, content. And so when you think about um, how much text is written in digital format that can be then distributed through a third factor, the internet and digital media, then mm-hmm. um, I think that also drives the, the translation. So I think those three combinations, uh, globalization, um, digital content and the internet and people being globally um, accessing digital content are some of the three big high-level drivers of the translation industry. Mm-hmm. At the, I know. I, sorry. Yeah. I know. I know that uh, translation is one of the uh, fastest-growing uh, professions in, I think, in the U.S. now, right now. Yeah, and and I think it's a historically translation translators there haven't been enough to translate this huge volume of content and you need to look at pretty much any company website that might operate in multiple countries you mm-hmm. still i still find you know you also you, your language might not be there um the content might be partially translated but not the entire site or the entire experience so i think we've got still a long way to go mm-hmm. um and there was an interesting article, I think, from CSA, um, Common Sense Advisory, a few years mm-hmm. ago about the translator's bottleneck and the fact that it was a limited number of translators. So hopefully that gives, um, gives uh, we, you know, there's a need for more translators to increase the mm-hmm. translation volumes. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm skipping around here a yeah. little bit. So where here now we have the machine translation, and I know there is a are are translators that feel that this is a, a threat for us. But yeah. I, I think that since the industry is growing so much and there's so such a high demand for translations, what do you think about this machine translation? Is is it a threat or is it a good thing for us? Or what do you think? What do I think? It's it's um. I think in overall, I think it's an opportunity um, mm-hmm. for uh, us, whether at the individual level um, it could still be a threat um, if you are not willing to maybe explore a different way of working or um, I think some industries might get somewhat hit by it accidentally. Um, that that could be the case, but on the other hand, I, I do believe that there's so such a big potential for translation overall that it shouldn't be seen as just a a, a threat. Um, I think there are a lot of opportunities uh, for the translation industry and the machine translation if you work either in sync with it and you use it to your own advantage um, or you're willing to change what you work in or specialize in, mm-hmm. then then it shouldn't be seen as a, a threat, um, okay. I guess. 
that's sort of that's sort of my opinion too. So you work for for SDL, or, um, which was formerly also Trados, and now it's it's the biggest translation tool on the market. I think. Yeah. What what are you trying to do at, at SDL um, when thinking about these new influ- what influences the market? So. If I go back to what influences the industry, mm-hmm. um, I think you know we have those big, big trends which are all driving the big translation volumes, and then there mm-hmm. are sort of shorter trends, if you like, and, and so there are also other trends like we see, unfortunately, pressure on rates, um, mm-hmm. deadlines getting shorter. Um, mm-hmm. documents being less from beginning to end, so receiving a hundred little chunks of files to be translated. Um, we see sort of other factors. And so as a company, what we're trying to do, ultimately, we're trying to help people translate faster mm-hmm. um, whilst maintaining the same levels of quality. Mm-hmm. We sort of target different, very varied groups of people um, from freelance translators to translation agencies to corporations. And we try to have features and capabilities that benefit each one of these categories. Um, And so I think when you look at some of our products, you should be able to find something that really helps your own specific productivity um, and so um, there's something that you should be able to monetize, um, let's say, um, from our product um, and should make you better off, let's say. So we're trying to do something at each level. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Um, if you look at your market share, how big is are the companies of your market share and how big are freelance translators? Um, so we are uh, 50% roughly. It's oh, okay. corporations. Okay. And 50% is between the translation agencies and the freelancers. Um, I think I, I started at SDL, so SDL acquired Trados. And I think there was potentially back then in in the old Trados days a tendency to really focus on the corporates who would Mm -hmm. then push the translation agencies to adopt, let's say, Trados back then. And and that sort of followed into the freelancer. I, Mm -hmm. I personally see the world pretty differently. And so to me, these three parts are equally important. Um, I know it's not a nice term somehow, the supply chain, or it's Mm. an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they are all as valuable and as important to us. It's easier to dedicate more quality time, if you like, to the corporation as a company, just because the numbers are lower. Um, one, one, one company might buy 20, 30, 100 licenses of our mm-hmm. product, and we can have that sort of more dedicated touch. Whereas mm-hmm. with the freelancers, 
we have 150,000. Mm. So we can't have that personal touch. But I think we try and do a lot of activities to touch somehow the entire freelance community, um, mm. as well as the translation agencies through webinars, roadshows, being present at conferences, our live chat on the site. So I, I do see the three components of the ecosystem as as important one as important as the other okay so i remember when i first started out as a freelance translator i bought trados and then i acquired also sdlx and a lot has happened uh during these last 10 years and sdl has changed quite a bit from being just uh, the, the, the software provider to now also educating translators. So if I log into Translation Zone, which is the hub for translators using Studio, you are now also offering to help educate future translators. Can you talk more about that? How are you doing educating us? Um, so I guess in a couple of ways, so on one hand, we are trying to work at the very early stages, which I think it's pretty typical for most software companies to get involved with universities and students and professors at schools and universities to try and teach the software at the very early um, stages in a in a translator's career. Mm. So on that on that front, we try to do quite a lot of train the trainers activities and working with universities so that they might incorporate um, studio in their curricula and 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 so that students come out of universities already with a bit of preparation mm-hmm. um, when it comes with the established freelancers the, the webinars have been one of our main tools and I remember in 2006 when I started webinars was not something that was done quite as regularly mm. and I remember um, I organized a webinar with um, uh, Swell and Wright from Kent State University mm-hmm. on terminology and a thousand people register for that webinar way beyond our expectations wow. <laughs> and about 550 people turned up on the day which was a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, especially because in 2006 uh, technology was also a little bit ropier um, mm-hmm. and then we followed it up with the second terminology webinar um, sort of a couple of months after actually um, where we had 2,000 people register and 1200 showing up and then we thought okay webinars seem to be an interesting tool and then from there it's become a whole educational um, program now where we run 10-15 webinars every month um, Mm -hmm. on all sorts of topics of course quite a few around studio and how to use it but we also been trying to get guest speakers from either companies or, I mean, we, we did not that long ago a webinar on 
um, SEO marketing for freelancers so that they can, mm -hmm. a lot of freelancers have a website and we wanted to give them a few tips on SEO and how to market the website. And a thousand people um, registered for that webinar. So we try to also get a bit of variety in the themes and, and mm -hmm. what we cover. So we try to cover quite um, a lot of different topics. I know, I, I know my colleague Karin McKay has had presented a webinar for SEL, yeah. and I know I met someone at a conference and he said that he was interested in me presenting but um, I didn't get his business card so I don't uh, know <laughs> definitely so. you were always looking for presenters and on all sorts of topics um, mm. that could be relevant for the translation industry from marketing yourself to even accountancy because a lot of freelancers have to do their own mm -hmm. <laughs> sort of business side of things to mm. um, terminology, ISO standards and I think there's a lot of topics that are quite relevant so we try our best to provide a fairly varied agenda um, and then of course roadshows we we used to historically do roadshows just for corporation and translation agencies, um, but now all our events, pretty much all of our events are open to freelancers as well, and we get a lot of freelancers coming to our events. We tend to be in larger cities, um, mm -hmm. but we tend to do two rounds throughout the year in um, April, May, and then again in October, November. Um, and it's a good chance to come, ask questions. People bring their own laptops if they got some issues, and we try to help them. Um, mm. So quite a lot of opportunity to really um, to to kind of have a bit more personal relationship with us. So how come you have started providing sort of training outside of just the tool to tra to freelance translators? Um, it all started with I, I I think it's important that we provide uh, sort of we're one of the largest name in this industry um, mm. I, I do think we should provide a, a different set of topics um, it, it, I feel it's it's a win-win situation people mm -hmm. think of us it's obviously a brand there is a brand awareness Mm. I think we play, we must play a big role in the translation community, and so mm. it's a way to to create a bit virtually. This is a very dispersed industry, so it is a way to be part of this community by not doing just things for SDL and sell mm. products. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's helpful, I, I, and especially for the freelance. For, I, I think in many ways the freelance business is tough you, you often people are alone or they're interacting with other people just at conferences or you know you need to make an effort to be in touch mm. with other people yes. and learn new things you, you're not in an office that might provide that structure anyway so uh, I, I think some of these activities might actually help um, everybody um, sort of learning new things so, so I know that SDL talks about customer experience. Uh, is this part of customer experience, improving customer experience then? Um, yes, I guess. I think I like to think we started almost 
before SGL turned into being more of a customer experience company, meaning offering mm-hmm. tools to other companies to provide a better customer experience. But mm-hmm. this is, in essence, part of it. It's once you buy studio, you're not just buying a product and you buy into other things, including, you know, the webinars and the forums and all sorts of other things around it. And, and that's all part of the customer experience, I guess. So in some ways we are trying, we're also trying, it touches, it, it's many things. It's also mm-hmm. trying to make the product easier to use, um, the website clearer. So the customer experience overall touches many aspects, I guess, of the business. Mm-hmm. So how does language fit into it? Um, it's interesting. Um, it, it looks, it, it's very obvious to me, but, um, and to the language people within SDL, um, it's possibly harder for the customer to see. So um, we, we believe that part of your customer experience being communicated to in your own language is essential Mm. so if you are a large corporation or a small corporation and you're trying to go in a different market your native language isn't enough so if you are a medium-sized italian company and you want to sell to germany um you really are not going to provide a good customer experience if you are having a website, your product, the communications, all in Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, most of the time, this is all in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we think that language is an essential part of customer experience. SDL overall, nonetheless, I think one of the things that we are trying to do is that I think a lot of the large corporations still haven't put language at their very, very top um, priority. So a lot of companies translate um, because they have to. Um, mm-hmm. I think not a lot of companies haven't quite grasp how important for uh, the customer journey, customer experience and um, is language is. And so that is one of our goals to make sure that people realize it, which hopefully should help everybody in the industry. As mm-hmm. More companies will want to translate more. I know it's, it's a, it, it, it is truly a journey to, to educate the companies on the importance of, of translating their their material, I think. Um, it, it, it go, I can get everything from, oh, I ran it through uh, Google Translate and it shouldn't be very hard. Can you just take a glance at it and it's over 10,000 words? And <laughs> it shouldn't take more than like two hours for you. Yes, that's, um, yes, that's absolutely true, isn't it? It's kind of mm-hmm. seen as... And I think people don't know, the the, the work giver often doesn't know translation um, yes. and, and they don't know how hard it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, how, and how, how long it takes yeah. and how important it is to get it right, especially if it's something published. Yes. So um, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned um, that you want, 
to help us translate faster. Can you talk about some of the new features that can help us uh, both become fat, more productive, but also um, can we use SDL in our marketing? Maybe this is two questions. Yeah. You, you can. Um, yeah. Okay. So in terms of the word that we try not to use, but it's kind of a, a straightforward word is about translating faster productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in terms of translating faster in studio, I'd say for the freelancer, I to suggest two is our main um, feature to help translate faster. Um, Auto suggest gives you suggestions as you type, and up to now you've got a certain type of suggestions. Um, you had to build a dictionary um, with Studio, but you needed quite a lot of translation memories from um, your previous translations to do it. Now, a Studio can suggest a lot more uh, things as you start building even your first translation memory. So that really should help speeding up. Um, and the second thing is I think this is more experimental and possibly controversial is also how you get suggestions from machine translation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're almost starting to say no more post-editing, but mm. just use machine translation we'd also suggest, and that's a very different way of working. And I'm not a translator, but obviously I, I, I do use Studio for translating English to Italian or vice versa mm-hmm. um, here and there. Um, and I, 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 I made a point of using it more recently. And it's quite different how if you have machine translation up to now, you would have got your sentence and the whole translation and you just need to go in and change it and fix it. Mm-hmm. Whereas we don't suggest you might just be able to take some pieces and it almost doesn't feel like using machine translation. You're only just choosing some little parts um, mm. And so it saves you time because you don't have to type as much. And some components of machine translation, in depending on the content and the language pair, of course, um, mm. can be quite usable. Um, and so it can save you quite a bit of time. So I think which suggest is probably one of the main features for for the translators. Um, um, retrofit, so the ability to review the files and um, in the native, so it's a PowerPoint file, you can do all your changes in PowerPoint in the target mm-hmm. file and bring them back. We thought it was more for agencies and corporates, but we're getting quite a lot of feedback also from the freelancers as being a good feature. Mm-hmm. I also think it makes it faster when if I receive a hundred little files and I can just open them all in one. Yeah. Uh, file that that make, makes it easier for me, and and that is something you know in t- terms of uh, kind of smaller trends that we certainly see we see an increase in smaller files or chunking and getting a lot of these hundred files that you would have to open one by one otherwise whereas you can open them all as if they were one and translate them all that it would it, it certainly saves you time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, I also t- think that um, al- the alignment tool can be maybe not making me more productive, but making me more consistent. Cause sometimes the client sends me, oh, we've translated this before. You can use it as a reference. And if I um, then ask also for the, the English or look it up, 
and do an alignment, I already have a, a basis for my TM. Yeah, no, actually, that's absolutely true. If you are starting from zero in particular, but you have content, it would certainly help you getting up to speed faster, um, mm-hmm. really. So that, that helps. And there's lots of other little things, autocorrect um, should mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. people with yes. saving some uh, some time. Um, there's other smaller features like inserting symbols and bookmarking your translation that should help. So there's quite a lot, I feel, in Studio 2015 that is dedicated to the, the freelance translator or mm. the translator in general. In, in, in many ways, whether you're a freelancer, whether you're an in-house translator in a company, you are mm. performing a very similar task. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about marketing? Can SDL... Um help us with marketing in any way? I think on one hand, uh, there's education side of things. And I, I personally would like to do more um, webinars where we um, help. Because I heard that quite often that many freelance translators don't necessarily see themselves as a business and they don't market themselves. And we have in the past presenters who've really covered this topic, how you can earn more money through specializing, through doing better marketing of yourself and and, and so on. Um, so from an education point of view, it's something that we are trying to do. On, mm-hmm. on the other side, we did a partnership with pros in terms of highlighting SDL translator and the certification program that in a way was a way to uh, market yourself. So if you are SDL and you train on the on on the product, you can mm-hmm. become certified, and um, pros would automatically link the certification status into your profile in pros. So there are things like that where I think we we kind of have made some progress in helping the freelancers to market themselves, especially the the, the freelancers that have chosen to work with our uh, products. And and we had a big directory of freelancers that um, it's kind of, um, it's under rebuilding, so we're going to rebuild another um, directory of, of freelance translators so that we can also promote our freelancers within corporations and LSPs. That is something that we're um, working on. Mm-hmm. Mm, I didn't know about the directory. So, that's good to know. So um, thank you, Matthew, for, for these um, insights. I know you've been working uh, a long time with SDL and you have a lot of market knowledge. So it's been a pleasure to discuss the translation industry with you. Thank you. And we appreciate all you do at SDL to help uh, freelance translators become more productive. So I also want to thank the listeners, of course, for tuning in today. I am curious to see what you think. I would love to hear your comments on the influences in our industry. And if you are a studio user, I would love to hear what your favorite Uh, feature in studio is please share this in the comments in the show notes under podcast and this interview the show notes can be found at marketingtipsfortranslators.com 
slash podcast. And there you can also find other free resources and information. Thank you again, Massimo. Thank you very much to everybody. And uh, I wish you all a wonderful day and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Translators. Download more episodes from www.marketingtipsfortranslators.com. If you like the show, a review on iTunes would be much appreciated.